Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. Shalom. My name is Peter, also known as Simon. I was just thinking about the last few months, reliving them in my mind, seeing my weaknesses reveling in my master and asking myself, why did I fail? How could I deny my Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe sharing this story with you will give me some clarity and, yes, some healing from my spirit. Let's go back a few years. I was a fisherman, along with my brother Andrew, We were all disciples of John the Baptist. His message of repentance and had resonated with me and Andrew. So every chance we got, we spent time with him. One day I wasn't there, but my brother Andrew was, and Jesus came by. And Andrew spent the day with him. And Andrew came home so excited and told me, we have found the Messiah. Of course, I had to see for myself. So I went and met this man called Jesus. It was then that Jesus changed my name to Peter. Me. Just a fisherman. But it wasn't long before Jesus called me and 11 others. We became known as his disciples. No longer fishing for fish, but fishers of men. These past few years have been so memorable. We saw so many miracles and experienced so many blessings. It was just a few months ago. We were in Para. That's across the river from Jerusalem. It was just too dangerous for Jesus to be in Jerusalem. So we were in Para when we received a word that Lazarus, a dear friend of all of us, but particularly A friend of my master was very ill. Jesus waited a couple of days, and we were all hoping that he would decide not to go to Jerusalem since they were waiting to arrest him. But Jesus said, let's go to Jerusalem. We told him, Master, you can't go to Jerusalem. They'll kill you. But we found out one thing about my master. When he felt His father wanted him to do something. He did it. All the powers of hell could not prevent him from doing so. So we traveled a few miles to Bethany, which is just outside Jerusalem. You've probably heard this story. Before we ever got to Lazarus' home, we were met by Martha, and Martha was upset, and she proclaimed, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that you even now that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she replied, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, 
the Son of God that has come into the world. And after that, Martha went to get her sister Mary. And she responded the same way. Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus was moved with compassion and said, where have you laid him? Then he did something that I'd never seen him do. He wept. Now, why did he weep? Did he weep because he had compassion for the family? Did he weep because they did not have enough faith to believe? Or could have been he wept for Lazarus that he would have to bring him back. We went to the tomb where Lazarus had been buried and Jesus said, remove the stone. And we replied, Master, he has been dead for four days. He will stink. He said, remove the stone. So they rolled back the stone. And Jesus proclaimed, Thank you for hearing me. Know that you always do. But do this for those here that they will believe that you sent me. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. Well, I don't have to think I have to tell you that when that body that was wrapped from the top of his head to the sole of his feet came out of that tomb, we were all amazed. Someone mentioned, what if he had not mentioned Lazarus by name? What if he just said, come forth? Would all of those that had been buried in that tomb come forth? But from that day on, they plotted to take Jesus' life. Oh, they'd been after him before, but this was the key that began to get the wheels circling. That they were plotted to take Jesus' life. So we went back to Ephraim, about 15 miles away, so that we would not be in the public's eye. And we stayed there a few months until the time of Passover approached. And once again, Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem, even though we knew that they were expecting Jesus for the Passover. All males had to go to Jerusalem for the Passover. And they were expecting Jesus, and they planned to arrest him. When we arrived at Bethany, this time we went to the home of Simon the leper, where a dinner was given in honor of Jesus. Martha served, but Mary anointed Jesus' feet with pure nard, a very expensive perfume, and she wiped his feet with her hair, and the fragrance filled the room. Several didn't like it, particularly Judas. And a large crowd found out that we were there. And they gathered, not only to see Jesus, but in hopes of seeing Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. Many people came to believe in Jesus after seeing Lazarus alive. You can understand why the religious leaders were upset. And they were even more determined to rid the earth of this man, Jesus. Little did they know, little did we know that they were assisting him in fulfilling the will of God. The next day was Sunday. The Sunday before Passover, the first day of the week, 
Now there's a day of Passover, but the celebration of Passover lasts for an entire week. Thousands of people go up to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, and we were part of that crowd. But when the crowd heard that Jesus was coming, they went out to meet him with palm branches, and they were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can you imagine how this fisherman, how we felt to be part of that crowd? As we got closer to Jerusalem, he sent two of us to go fetch a donkey, a colt that had never been ridden. We didn't remember then, but we were reminded later that this was prophesied in the Old Testament. Once again, the crowd shouted, Hosanna! Of course, the religious leaders, they didn't like that a bit. They told Jesus to rebuke his disciples. He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And the closer we came to Jerusalem, the greater the crowd. And the prouder I got, just a fisherman. All these people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And those that had been there at the resurrection of Lazarus, they went about telling the story. And many came out to meet him. What an experience. And since we were his disciples, we felt like heroes. The whole world was following us. Little did we know that our world was about to come crashing down. The next morning, when we entered the temple, Jesus raised at those that were doing business there. And he said, my house that is to be called a house of prayer has turned into a den of thieves. And he took a whip and he upset the tables and of course the priest and the teachers of the law they were afraid of the crowd possibly even afraid of Jesus with him in that present mood but after ministering Jesus told us that it was time for the son of man to be glorified what did he mean what did he mean when he said, time for the Son of Man to be glorified? We didn't get it. He explained, I'll tell you a truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world would keep it for eternal life. Then he went on to say, now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very hour he said, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Can you imagine our shock? When we heard a voice from heaven say, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd heard it. Some said it thundered, while others said it was an angel. But we knew. We knew we had heard the voice of God. The next day, Jesus ministered throughout the area. While the chief priests and elders, they were plotting against him. 
How could they take this man, Jesus? He was always surrounded by a crowd. So they approached Judas. Judas is scary. One of us, and they agreed on 30 pieces of silver. The going rate for a slave. Our master betrayed for the price of a slave. Jesus reminded us that Passover was two days away. And looking back, it was so clear, but at that time, we didn't understand it all. When Jesus told me and John to go and make preparations for Passover, we thought that we were simply getting a place ready to enjoy the Passover meal together. Little did we realize what was actually taking place. We prepared the room expecting a joyful time with our master. Instead, after sharing the cup, Jesus tells us that one of us would betray him. Who could that be? Who could possibly betray our Lord? Then Jesus shocked us. He got up from the meal, girded a towel about him, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Looking back on it, I asked myself the question, what would I do if I knew that that was my last day on earth? I can tell you what Jesus did. He washed his disciples' feet. But I wasn't about to let him wash my feet. But when he told me if he did not wash my feet, I could have no part in him. So I said, Master, wash my feet, my hands, and my head as well. Jesus explained to us that washing our feet was an example of what ministry is all about. Ministry is not about us, but those we minister to. See, Jesus took up the towel. A little bit later, he was to take up the cross, but eventually to pick up his crown. Then Jesus revealed who the betrayer was. Our trusted treasure, Judas. And after his departure, Jesus taught us about loving one another. Think about it. One that we trusted had just betrayed us, just betrayed Jesus. And he tells us, love one another. He went on to say, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Not by being in the upper room. Not by being a fisherman. Not by traveling with him. Not by living with him. But the way we love one another. Then Jesus spoke to me personally. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Of course, I promised that I would never deny Jesus. I may have to die, but I would never, never turn my back on the Lord. Satan desired me. 
He wanted to sift me. Let him sift. Because even if everyone falls away, I never will. Then Jesus turned to me. He turned to me and said, I tell you the truth. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Then Jesus turned to all of us and said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Hearing those words. Hearing those words telling me to let not my heart be troubled made me more determined than ever that I would never fail the Lord. Jesus told us that he would give us a comforter, the Holy Spirit. I know he told us. I know he told us, but we still were not ready to let the Savior go. He tried to prepare us, but we were caught up in our own agendas. And we didn't need the Holy Spirit. We had Jesus. So we left there and went out to the Mount of Olives to Gethsemane to pray. He left us to pray and told us to keep watch. But we were so tired. It had been such a long day and we were so tired. We fell asleep. If we would have realized that this would be our last minutes alone with the master before his death, I'm sure, I'm sure we could have stayed awake a few more minutes and prayed. And I thought, what if I had stayed awake? What if I'd spent that time in prayer? Could I have faced the coming events more bravely? Then we heard a crowd coming. It was a group of soldiers and religious leaders coming. They were trying to be quiet but you could hear the murmur of voices and the rattle of swords. And as they approached that traitor, Judas ran up and gave my master a kiss, betrayed by a kiss. I drew my sword and I swung it as hard as I could. I missed and I cut the ear of the soldier off. And Jesus put it back on and it was instantly healed. But I asked the question, how could they arrest my Jesus? How could they? Then came what felt like the longest hours of my life. A trial before the Sanhedrin. And yes, this was the time of my failure. Me, the one who had boasted so strongly. Me. The one who had promised I would never forsake him. Three times I did. Three times I did. And then the rooster crowed. It was not the sound of the rooster that hurt. It was a look from Jesus. Not a look of anger. Not a look of triumph. Not a look of I told you so but a look of total forgiveness and unconditional love. 
I lost it. I lost it. I went outside and wept bitterly. We left there and went to Pilate. Now, why was that necessary? The Jews had condemned Jesus to death, but they did not have the authority to put anyone to death. Only the Romans could do that. So they took him to Pilate. Pilate would have been content to flog him and let him go. But the crowd, yes, some of the same ones that just a week earlier had hailed him as Savior, just a few days ago were now clamoring for his death. By the time we got to Pilate, it was early morning, the day of Passover. And since all the religious leaders desired to eat the Passover, they could not go inside. So Pilate had to come out to visit them for the trial. Trial? I guess you could call it a trial. It was trumped up charges. Jesus never did anything but good. He healed the sick. He ministered to children. He fed the hungry. He reached out in love to everyone he met. Now, he was to be crucified because he claimed to be the Son of God. I can hardly take, talk about the next hours. They beat Jesus. They twisted a crown of thorns into a crown and jammed them on his head. They released a murder, Barabbas, so they could kill my Jesus. Jesus was so weak. He'd been beaten near death. He had eaten nothing. He had nothing to drink. He fell under the weight of the cross. The sound of women weeping, including his Mary, mother Mary, filled the air. Jesus turned and told them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. We reached Golgotha, the place of the skull, a little before noon. On one side, people mourning and weeping. On the other side, almost a party atmosphere as they demanded his death. I will never forget the sound of the cross being dropped into the ground. One criminal calling out for mercy while the other one mocked and said, he saved himself, let him save, he saved others, let him save himself. And even in his torment, he assured the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. And even in pain, he told John to take care of Mary. In his last moments, he cried, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. This man, yes, this son of God, yes, my master, he breathed his last and committed his spirit to his father. The sky had turned dark. An earthquake happened, and in the temple, the curtain was torn. That curtain that had been available for over a thousand years was torn. But my Jesus was gone. My Jesus was gone. And I 
and failed him. Joseph of Arimathea asked for his body and along with Nicodemus took his body and placed it in his tomb. Jesus had to be buried in someone else's tomb. He had nothing of his own. They placed guards in front of the tomb as if a guard was needed for a dead body. As if any of us disciples would be brave enough to try to take it. But after the Sabbath, early on the first day of the week, early on that Sunday morning, Mary, his mother, and Mary Magdalene, and Salome went to the tomb to prepare his body for burial. But something had happened. An angel had rolled back the stone. The stone that had been placed to keep people out could not keep Jesus in. Jesus had resurrected from the dead. The ladies came running to John and I and told us an angel had told them to tell me, think about it, tell me and his disciples, had he forgiven me? Tell me and his disciples that he was going on ahead to Galilee. But we had to see for ourselves. John outran me to the tomb and, I, and he stopped at the entrance looking at the strips of linen but I ran by him and found the burial cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, folded and laid on the stone. Jesus was gone. Jesus was risen. But where was he? Later on, we found that he had appeared to Cleopas and another disciple. And then as we gathered that night in an upper room with the doors closed tight, Jesus appeared in our midst and said, Peace be to you. Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Why does it rise in your mind? Look at my hands and look at my feet. It is I. Then he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus was alive. He lived. A couple of days later, this fisherman a couple of days later, I said, I'm going fishing. Now, I know Jesus had told me to become a fisherman, but he was no longer there to give me moment-by-moment moment instructions. I could only remember my failure. And even though he seemed to forgive me, I couldn't quite forgive myself. He had meant so much to me. And I failed him. I would go back to fishing. I could handle that. We fished all night. and caught nothing. A professional fisherman. I couldn't even catch fish. A total failure. But as the sun was coming up, we saw someone on the shore who yelled, Friends, have you any fish? We replied, no. This man told us to throw our nets on the other side. And we did. And we could not pull them in. And John said to me, it is the Lord. I jumped out of the boat and made my way to Jesus. And after breakfast, Jesus turned to me and said, Peter, do you agape me? More than these. 
Do you love me with an unconditional godly love? I remembered my failures. I remembered my promises that I'd never fail him, and I had. So I said, Lord, you know that I feel you. I love you with a brotherly love. He said, feed my sheep. Then he said again, do you agape me? Do you love me with that godly love? And once again, I responded, I feel you. I wanted to say more. I wanted to say, Jesus, you know I got for you and will never fail you. But I couldn't. Why? I'd already failed him. And Jesus said, do you feel you me? And I said, Lord, you know all things. And I feel you you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. My heart sang with joy. Jesus had not given up on me. He still wanted me to be a fisherman. He still loved me, and he was alive, and it was my prayer never to fail him again. I finally understood what Jesus was saying the night we left the upper room. He knew I was going to fail him, but he loved me anyway. I realized that heaven wasn't made for the perfect. It was made for the forgiven. And Jesus had forgiven me. And even when I go through difficult times, he tells me, let not your heart be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. I've gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. I understood it. Jesus is alive and has prepared me. He has prepared a place for each one of us in eternity. Not for the perfect, but for the forgiven. I understood a little bit more about that kernel of wheat. See, Jesus was the kernel of wheat that died. And even though he was placed in a tomb and we called it being buried, he was really planted to come forth with everlasting life, to be the first fruit of heaven. And I understood something, that Jesus came not for the perfect, because it's the sick that need a physician. And he extended an invitation not just for me, but an open invitation for each one of us. Some of you may be like me to think, just a fisherman, just a housewife, just a student, just a mechanic, just a business owner. Whatever the just is, can I tell you that each one is important to God. And we come to Him needing a Savior and he paid the price 2,000 years ago and he was placed in that tomb he was buried in that tomb he was planted in that tomb but the tomb is empty his tomb is empty today we rejoice we rejoice because we have a resurrected Savior can I encourage you today if you've not received that forgiveness, you say, well, I don't deserve it. Neither did Peter. Neither did anyone here. 
He's forgiven us. All we have to do is accept that forgiveness. We're going to sing this song. We're going to worship the Lord together, and I encourage you to worship with me. In just a moment, we're going to pray for those. And if you're watching online, we encourage you, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, believe on Him today. Receive Him as your perfect, uh, personal Savior. Let Him come real to you. Make your life something special. Thank you for listening to the OAG Podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org.